Is there a Korean food market in Mexico? In Mexico. <laughs> Very My good. keyword will be whiskey. What Just is it? Fly in Sister Jean and have her pray for don't the cougars. We, don't we have a lot of Sister Jeans? <laughs> like we're tied to a religion here. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Our first interview today is a man, we just mentioned his name, pacing to become the highest draft pick in BYU football history. Quarterback Zach Wilson joined us yesterday for our weekly conversation leading up to the NFL draft on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Zach, I know, understandably, you have football on the mind primarily, but it is March Madness, and I know you played high school basketball and had some opportunities if you were to pursue those in college to play basketball. So how much March Madness can you fit into your already busy schedule? Man, that's tough. To be honest, I have not watched a game. I mean, I caught a glimpse of the BYU game. Uh, you know, that was the first one that I like actually like planned for, put that in the schedule, like, hey, I need to watch this game. You know, unfortunately, we didn't we didn't pull out the win, but you know that was the first one. You know, besides that, I have the notifications set on my phone, so you know I've been seeing all these updates of all these uh, you know small teams beating up on these uh, bigger teams and all these upsets that have been going on. So it's been kind of crazy. You know, much March Madness is, is so much fun. Did you fill out a bracket? No, I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't, man. I mean, my whole freaking childhood was full of filling out brackets. <laughs> so now I'm. You know, now I guess I'm too busy or I think I'm too cool to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing it's too busy. Maybe you are too cool. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're back home in Utah now. Um, and a video came out of a throw you had in the indoor practice facility that was just amazing. You, you spun out to your right and then rolled left and then threw it in the back of the end zone. Um, that, that was a, probably a pretty good sample of what you're capable of, right? I mean, that exact throw is in the pro day script, so you'll probably see it again. Okay, okay. <laughs> How far was that throw, Zach? I think I threw it from the 50 and Leva caught it about three yards from the back of the end zone. And then add a little bit because it's further left, so 55-ish? Like, yeah, roughly, yeah. Was it – which game was it? was it? Was it La Tech? I'm trying to remember. The Tech's, throw across the, the field to the, Dax. The throw. Which game was that? I think it was uh, Texas State maybe. Texas State, yeah. Was that one that you get asked about? Or like, like what, what do teams ask about in terms of certain throws specifically? I mean, they, they asked about that one just as far as like, you know, what were you thinking? How'd you get there on that? You know, uh, a lot of the times these coaches try and throw in plays that, that maybe aren't my, uh, my best plays or even ones that, you know, aren't highlight plays necessarily. You know, they try and throw in things that they think are a little bit different and ask, you know, why you did certain things here and there. And so I, I really enjoy breaking that down and, and like going through what I was thinking on each play. Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation for his weekly conversation on his path to the NFL Draft Pro Day coming up this Friday. What I want to know is, does the ball fly like five yards further in Utah in the mountain air compared to Southern California? It does. It does. It jumps for sure. I mean, the receivers are like, hey, these balls carry further than you expect. So, so we'll have balls jumping all over the place uh, Friday. Last week you talked about how there was a transition to get used to the NFL ball, but that you've become more comfortable with that. Certainly the throw that we saw um, you, you know, was one, and it's, and it's one throw, but how has that transition been, and do you feel like uh, you know, fr- Friday's a, a big day, obviously, for you? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think the NFL ball is better. It's just, like, it's just getting used to it. I think you've know, uh, you got to change up your grip a little bit, you know, how it feels like it's coming off your hand. And, you know, so there were some rough first, first uh, couple of weeks when I first started throwing with that ball. 
you know, but now I feel like I'm used to it. I love how it spins, how it comes off the hand. And so I'm excited to, uh, you know, show what we got on Friday. You mentioned that that rollout to your left and deep throw down the field is part of the script for Pro Day. How specific is this script, if you wouldn't mind walking us through that? Yeah, you know, we add into, uh, so, you know, we go into, you know, all the base throws. We start, you know, short to deep. We work some under center, some play action pass, you know, different things. But, uh, you know, stuff I'm trying to make uh, pretty common in my pro days is, is movement stuff. You know, in the NFL, you're not always throwing with a clean pocket. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff where I'm booting out to my left, my right, you know, throwing on the run across my body, uh, sprint out to the left, throwing back to the right, you know, all sorts of different stuff to just show that I'm capable to make all the throws. And so, uh, you know, that's that's part of the script is, is moving right and left and, and stepping up and showing that you can make throws off of all, all different platforms. And you'll be throwing exclusively, right? No, no 40, no three cone, no all that stuff? Yeah, nothing like that. You know, I, I've been freaking pushing it. You know, I really wanted to run my 40 and I trained for it since January. And, and even this past week, you know, I was like, man, maybe I should just run it. You know, I know I can still run a pretty good time. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I just I tweaked my hammy a little bit too much. <laughs> uh, I think what I might do is, is film down the road. If I feel like I have trained for it and feel good, then I might as well just film it. You know, I just want to have something under my name. Uh, that I've that I've done some events. Do you feel like you have to submit a forty to teams, or is that something you could could not do? Yeah, I definitely don't think I need to. You know, I feel like my my athleticism shows on on the film. I think uh, I think it's more of just like a pride thing. You know, that I want to have uh, some time. I just want to be able to say I ran a forty in my career. That I did something for the combine pro day stuff, and uh, you know, really that's all it is because. Uh, you know, a lot of teams have even just said, you know, I, I don't need to do any of the running stuff. If, if there was a combine, I would have. But the fact that everything's just on the same day now, it's, that's what makes it challenging. Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation. Zach, you've mentioned to me in previous conversations that there is something about the pressure to perform and how it elevates your game and locks you in. What kind of pressure to perform do you feel as it relates to pro day on Friday? Yeah, you know, you want to be perfect. I mean, that's what you're that's what you're training for to try and be perfect. Uh, but there has to be like a sense of, you know, it's okay to make a mistake. You know, you're not going to hit every every single throw. You know, when you're throwing sixty balls and and you got some tough ones in there, not every single throw is going to be perfect. So you just have to be able to, you know, go on to the next one and, and move on and, and not let one ball hold you up. And uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of coaches there watching and stuff. But you just got to do what what I know I can do, and uh, you know, all the guys around me as well. So I think we'll be all right. It's going to be a fun day, and we're going to have the whole thing live on BYU TV. And, of course, NFL Network is going to have cameras in there and, and dip in a bunch in ESPN as well. So has the um, weight of this set on you of, of how important it is, or is it still kind of loose and fun? And if it is, like, how, how are you keeping it loose and fun? Yeah, I just think we have to remember, like, um, you know, why we play this game, you know, what got us to this point, you know, the, the preseason um, – you know, everything you got, the you got the nerves going into a game, but you just kind of have that, that looseness, the, you know, I got to be able just to play, play how I play kind of mentality. And so, you know, it's going to be the same when I go out there, you know, we've, we've been preparing for three months and, and rehearsing everything. And so really, uh, you know, it's just going out there and playing loose, but just understanding how important it is and, and just making sure we're ready for that day. How many receivers are you planning on throwing to and what receivers are they? Yeah, so we got three receivers, one tight end. So so Bushman's obviously the tight end, and and then we got uh, Micah Micah Simon, Aleva Hefo, and Dax Milne. Uh, those three are going to be the guys uh, working across. Uh, Micah and Dax are primarily going to work the outsides. Aleva's most likely going to work the slot. Um, he'll rotate with Matt, whether it's right and left side. 
And then uh, we'll throw Dax and Micah maybe on a couple on the inside as well. There's sort of this uh, opportunity, not obviously for you, but also for them to impress because they're good players and should get a, a chance in the NFL as well. So what's it like in the throwing portion to go, hey, let's do this together where we can all succeed? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely cool to be doing it all together because, uh, you know, we have all these scouts and GMs out there, and, and I know it's a big benefit for those guys to be out in front of all these coaches as well, you know, hopefully for them to prove something. I know with the COVID year last year, and uh, you know, a lot of those guys got screwed a little bit, so they're just trying to get their, get their year back. So I hope, I, uh, you know, I can help them out and make them look good, and they can make me look good. So, With these few days remaining before Pro Day on Friday, what does – your typical training day in Utah consists of compared to what you were doing in California? Yeah. You know, I actually think I've, I've, I've got a pretty good plan out here. Uh, I got a stro shine in the morning. So stro formance is, you know, they're one of the best. I work with those guys. Uh, you know, I'll train with those guys four day, four days a week. We got yoga on Wednesdays and then uh, I go to stretch therapy uh, three times a week, which is like, you know, I go and lay on a table, have someone stretch me out for about, you know, half hour. And I do that about three times a week. Uh, I go to this place called restore where they, you know, they do like IV drips or the hyperbaric chambers. And I do cryotherapy every day, you know, red light therapy, um, the compression sleeves and boots for, you know, the shoulder and the legs and, um, you know, all sorts of different things. And then I'm, I'm starting with, uh, this place called South mountain therapy, where it's, uh, like physical therapy where I'll go and anything that's bothering me, whether it's like, you know, shoulders a little sore or my back's a little tight, you know, I can do some sort of recovery, uh, physical therapy in that sense. And then, uh, you know, I'll try and get a massage here, here and there, like once or twice a week uh, on top of it. So it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of stuff going on, but it's definitely good. That is a lot of stuff, Zach. Uh, what do you like the most in all that? <laughs> yeah, the stretching's nice. It's very relaxing just to lay there, you know, of course with the massage, the recovery stuff is always big. Uh, but even right now, I still really enjoy the throwing as well. Just getting out with those guys and going into the big indoor down at BYU and just and tossing the ball around is always fun. Are you super flexible with all this yoga and stretching and all that? Nope. That's why I'm doing it because I'm tight. <laughs> tight. Super stiff. Fair enough. As you have looked at more and more NFL teams and their game plans, their schemes and whatnot, have you kind of zoned in on an offense or a game plan that you feel best suits your need? Maybe has it changed over the past few months since you've been doing that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the West Coast style offense, you know, fits because it's it's what we did at BYU, a lot of play action, wide zone scheme based teams. But, uh, you know, there's there's a good amount of teams that do that um, in the teams that are uh, possible, possible landing spots for me. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. But, you know, even looking at maybe some of the digit systems or other systems that we've learned uh, that we could pick up, you know, I feel like every offense is kind of a little bit of everything nowadays. And uh, I think the NFL just. Um, is good no matter what offense you're going to be in. So I'm excited uh, no matter what. You know, I feel like I'll be able to find my place and in, in no matter what uh, team I get drafted to. What's the best bit of advice that John Beck has given to you as uh, a precursor to get ready for Pro Day and the draft? Yeah, you know, really not to overthink it. You know, just to go out there and do my thing. And, uh, you know, it's just another day throwing. You know, treat it like, like it's another throwing session. And so... Uh, John's done a good job of, you know, just preparing us, making us feel like we're ready so that when we get out there, it's, it's almost easier on the day that, you know, we really got to go, go live. Explain the difference between the West Coast offense and the digit system. Yeah. So the West Coast, I mean, the terminology and all those kind of things is different. You know, West Coast is a, pr- a primary uh, wide zone based team. You know, it's, it's very similar to BYU there. You're going to have your under center play action passes. 
the concepts uh, have the same terminology, whether it's, you know, West right, uh, slot, you know, Z right, uh, whatever, uh, Z burner, X burner, uh, you know, everything's tagged that way. But when you look at the digit system, uh, you're literally saying digits as to what the routes are. You know, maybe it's uh, 623 or um, 43, uh, 52 or whatever it is, uh, you know, you're working in actual numbers for what the routes are. And so, uh, you know, essentially all the concepts end up kind of being the same in the NFL. When you look at what they're trying to accomplish spaces on the field, uh, whether it's a triangle read and you're working through a progression, you know, all coaches are always trying to get to the same spots in the field against the same kind of coverages. So it's just, it's really just a different way of how they word things and, and maybe how they get there. So some colleges will run a very simple offense. You look to the side, you see a board, it means a thing, whatever. Like, I, and I don't want to name names per se, but like, then they get to the NFL and they'll have a harder time sort of adapting to a more complex system. Tell us how BYU functioned and how that you know, helped you uh, in, in your pursuit of the NFL here in terms of how that play calling will go. Yeah, you know, I still think um, you know, the NFL will probably be a little more complex than, than BYU to an extent, but but I think where, you know, I benefited from was, was the structure of the play call, whether it was, you know, a shift, then a motion, then the formation, and then some sort of play with a tag and then a protection, you know, all built into at the, at the same time. And so, you know, other teams kind of just had one word, you know, there were some teams that was like, Hey, warrior. And that meant the whole play. Uh, and the NFL is, is not much like that. And so uh, that's the play structure is very similar. So that's what I'll, I'll be used to at BYU. The other thing that was, you know, to my huge uh, benefit was working under the center, uh, tons of play action passes, tons of, um, you know, shifts and motions, uh, disguising certain things, and then being able to call plays from the huddle, uh, you know, it's different. You know, we did a lot of, uh, you know, looking to the sideline and picking up the play that way, but also huddling up and having to call a play that a coach gives you off of a wristband or whatever it is, is, is what the NFL does as well. So that, I think that's where they prepared me the best. Zach, if you had a preference to work in the shotgun or work, under center, which way would you lean on that? I honestly don't mind. You know, I really do like mixing it up. Uh, you know, under center nowadays in the NFL, you know, you, you rarely see anyone just go seven, seven step, five step out of the, you know, under center and, and, and drill a, a throw. You know, typically it's going to be some sort of play action fake. And, and we did a, you know, a bunch of, of different ones last year out of the, the gun or pistol or even under center at BYU. So I really, I really don't mind either one. I think just having those play action passes is big and, uh, it's good to just mix it up and, and keep a defense on their toes. Without giving away specific BYU play per se, uh, give us a sense of what a play call might sound like. Yeah, as you mentioned, the play call, the shift, motion, formation, play, tag, protection. Yeah, you're talking about a BYU play? Or you don't have to give away a BYU play, but give us a sense of what yeah. it might sound like. Yeah, so I mean, for example, we'll say like leap to flank right, Z phony, P62, Y hurricane, Z shallow or whatever, you know, something, <laughs> something along those lines. That's uh, awesome. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, hop to gun. I can think of the exact same one uh, Drew Brees did where he broke his game winning touchdown. It was uh, hop to gun king trips right tear, 52 all go special, X shallow cross H wide, uh, 52 <laughs> swings. So, super long, yeah. lengthy plays. Uh, yeah. So, but you can compartmentalize, like you said, the structure of the play, a shift, a motion, a formation, a play, a tag, and maybe a protection in there. That all means something to somebody. Because it's, it's always fun. Like, we know football, but not at a level. You know football. The receiver hears his thing, the, the, you know, the Z, and he's just like, I'm out of here. I heard my part. I'm gone, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Everyone, everyone else is just picking out their parts of it. The quarterback kind of has to know the whole structure. So, like, the best way for me is, 
is, uh, you know, you definitely break it up into like certain groups. You try and make it as small as you can. So like hop to gun king trips, right. You know, it's hop is the, is the shift that you're getting to the formation. So it's always kind of best to think, you know, hop to gun king trips, right. Where does that get me to? Okay. Well, it just gets me to trips, right. Um, and then you, you know, you break it down and make it smaller and then it's all go special. So that's really just an all go package. And then, you know, X shallow cross, you got the X on a shallow. So it's really just breaking it down to making it more simple in your head. X shallow cross is on Madden. So I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I am fascinated by all of this. It's like another yeah, language. You're fluent. Really you're fluent in the uh, West coast you, offense. You didn't go on a mission, talk. but you speak football language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my language. I picked up picked on my up mission. Language. All right, Zach, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, I'm thinking about starting a bracket to predict uh, NFL draft picks. I don't know. So, Jaron, work with me on that. Yeah, not many people are in on that right now. Okay, oh, wait, yeah, everyone we, is. We, we, yeah, <laughs> we might be doing something like Let's that. Let's do it. Okay, brother, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Listen, he is a genius, right, with that kind of stuff. And quarterbacks generally are, but what BYU does is difficult, and uh, he's got the mind for it. He's going to dominate that part of all this. You can imagine how impressed all of these NFL teams are with Zach's knowledge and study of the game when he's just on, a, on, on the win, on a fly. You say, hey, do this, do this, do this. And he just, his mind is like, it's like mathematical. How he yeah, he's, sees football. It's he amazing. has a beautiful mind. Yeah. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, we did some prop picks for what became the final game of the season. Uh, you definitely won the series. Uh, it's just whether I won the game here. <laughs> okay, I went into the final game up 2 nothing. Tyler Haas picked for me Friday. I did ask him to mail it in. I gave him a pack mm-hmm. of stamps. We'll see if he did. Okay. Okay, sorry, I was down 2 nothing. I uh, thought I was up 2 nothing, but I was actually down 2 okay. nothing. Okay, okay. Okay, number one, which BYU play scores the team's 11th point? This is very proppy. Alex Barcelo scored the 11th and 12th points on a jumper. I had Spencer Johnson. Tyler had Matt Harms. No points for either of us. Okay, great. It's awesome. In Tyler Haas senior season, he averaged 22.2 points. How many players in tomorrow's game will score more than 22? Only UCLA's Johnny Juzang broke the 22-point barrier. 27. Mm. Jerem nailed it, saying yep. only one player would score 22 or more, so a point to Jerem. Okay, and I need this to tie. Who scores the last basket of the game? Five seconds left. Connor Harding hit a jumper. I had Connor Harding scoring the final basket. <laughs> How about that? I thought it would be, wouldn't be close, and it wasn't. So there you go. Um, Tyler had Brandon Averett, or Averett, depending on who you guys. Which means uh, we tie at two apiece. Two so apiece. No one spins? Is that what happens? No one, nobody spins nobody the wheel spins. of consequence. Or do, do we, we both, both spin? We both spin the wheel We're of consequence? We're punished for Adam's transgression? <laughs> what? <laughs> We're both going to spin the wheel. Okay. we weren't. We're learning this okay. on the air. Yeah. Well, Live television. Well, it's not the mouthpiece. Jerem, now that the season is officially over. Boo. Ugh. We are going to look ahead to next season because that's what Let's we go. do. It's a perfect timing. This season's over. BYU Sports Nation, way too early season oh, it's projections. it's perfectly timed. For BYU basketball in the 2021-2022 season presented by Tim Daly Ford. Yeah. Part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Number one, Jerem. How many and which of the three seniors, Matt Harms, Alex Barcelo, Brandon Averett, will be re-recruited and return to BYU next season. 
One of them already said no, but it doesn't mean he won't come back because when your only childs did the exactly. same thing. So I'm guessing BYU gets two of the three. And I'm thinking it's the guards. The ABBA backcourt I'm thinking running ABBA, it back. I, I hope they come back. I don't know what's good. Reuniting for another album? Oh, I would love it so much. That was a good album. First one was good. I think one of the three are most likely. I hope all three do come back, but I, I'm thinking that one will come back and help out that BYU guard line, which is going to be you know, having a pretty huge void Yeah, thinking about all of them leaving. Number two, will the coaching staff look the same next year? Yes. I don't Ooh. think there will be any changes Ooh, I hope so. I don't, staff I don't think so. this offseason. I think it'll change after next season. Two NCAA tournaments in a row, if you will. Two single-digit seeds, two top 25 teams going to the tourney. If BYU keeps all three assistants, that's pretty incredible. I don't think it will look the same. I think one of them gets an op somewhere at least. I hope not. I want to keep these guys. But then they could match the pay and coax them back, right? Hopefully. (laughs) Okay. How many transfers, whether from junior college Mm. or in the transfer portal, will join BYU basketball for next season? Now, this is an interesting question because BYU, I believe, is already good to go. In fact, BYU has uh, like 15 dudes on Scully (laughs) for next year. So a few guys are going to be off Scully. So how will will COVID impact that, though, if, let's say, Alex Barcelo and Averitt come back? They're added to the 13. They're not part of the Right. Yeah. I believe. Um, yeah, I, well, th- I would guess two or three because th- that's what BYU probably needs to be a tourney team is to have an addition like that. Um, and when I say tra- I guess I would include AB and BA in that conversation. Okay. But I do think that BYU needs another like scoring guard that isn't a point guard. Trevin Nell's developing, which is great. Spencer Johnson's there. But like, where's that like shooting guard that averages 15 a game? On BYU's most successful teams, they always had that guy. Unfortunately, A, B, and B, A, one of them who didn't have the ball was a little undersized and guarded by a 6'6 guy against UCLA. I hope BYU only needs one guy from the transfer portal or from the JC ranks because Alex Barcelo and or Brandon Averett come back. Matt Harms. He needs a big, I think. Well, Gavin Baxter returns. Yeah. So they've got Richard Harward. And there's one signee whose name we haven't mentioned yet because we can't. Hasn't signed, but he will will help. He's going to be a freshman. So how many bigs does BYU basketball really need if Matt Harms leaves? Yeah, depends how deep you want to be. Um, Trey Stewart comes back from a mission, by the way, which is exciting. So he'll he'll kind of come off the bench and be okay. a good shooting guard. The guy of the future on the wing, by the way, is Dallin Hall. He's just in the first year of his mission. Dallin Hall Dallin is Hall a is, savage. Like, he might be an all-league guard kind of guy. I thought Connor Harding would be that type of guy. Well, um, He's not turned out to be that guy who knows? quite yet. Who knows? Maybe next maybe, year. Maybe he takes maybe a next, next year. Maybe he takes the A-B jump. But Connor feels like a great complimentary player. Okay. Yeah. Just think about a starting lineup of, let's say, Alex Barcelo, Brandon Averett, Gideon George, Gavin Baxter, Caleb Loner. and Caleb Loner. I like that. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Gavin's a tremendous piece defensively. Yeah. And offensively, cleans up the glass really well. Let's finish Dunks with this, lot. Jerem. The question will, of all questions. Will BYU be an NCAA tournament team? Yes. But it depends on <laughs> if... A, B, or B, A, come back. If one of those guys come back, then I'm like 
Take it to the bank, baby. They're going back to the tournament. Can't, Gavin Baxter will need to replace the rim protection of Matt Harms. Which I think he can. And, and Gavin's not as, um, at the moment, skilled of an offensive player, per se, like in the pick and roll and whatnot and, and finishing at the rim. But maybe he develops that and he's better. So there are some questions. But, yeah, I, I do hope BYU's an NCAA tournament team. I don't know right now. I don't know. <sighs> that part is extra early. <laughs> it's so early because yeah. we just don't know who's going to be re-recorded. But it's the perfect timing. because. And Mark Pope said on Senior Night, at the appropriate time, we will recruit That's now. all three of these guys. We have officially entered that recruiting period. Yeah, as of Saturday night. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll take a timeout from that and update you in just a moment and turn our attention back to BYU men's basketball and their tournament loss in Indianapolis with former BYU basketball head coach Steve Cleveland. Where do they go from now? He joined us on, or he's joining us rather on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Coach, how's your bracket right now after the craziest amount of upsets we think in the history of the NCAA tournament? It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I've, I've got a bracket. I've got a bracket with my grandkids and my kids, and and uh, they expect me to be really smart on this stuff. And uh, uh, the Big Ten quite wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But yeah, there've been a lot of upsets. Yeah, and that's putting it lightly. One of those upsets, how the NCAA terms it, five seeds or lower, was UCLA over six seed BYU. You've been in that situation in that locker room after a tournament loss with the BYU team. What is the finality like for a team like that, and how do you help your team process that? You know, uh, you put so much time and effort and thought, emotions, everything is vested in that. And so it's only natural when things don't go well or when you lose a game like that, it's going to be emotional. I mean, that, that's what it is. That's part of the experience, part of the process. It's not fun. I think over a few days, you come to the realization that, you know, we're going to be okay, and you start thinking about going forward. But, no, it's tough. It's really tough. And uh, I think you're kind of on edge anyway when you play in these situations in these tournaments. And you, you've vested everything into this for the last three or four months. And, of course, this year uh, with COVID and whatnot, so, it's so untypical of what we normally, what I ever went through. So I can't imagine dealing with all of that as well. But it's hard. It's hard. It's difficult. You set your goals. You've been in a situation. They played well. They had a great year. They expected to win that game. I mean, there was no question. The staff did. The players did. It didn't happen. And they'll go back and figure out why. And, and I think maybe a lot more credit should be given to USC, though it wasn't obviously BYU's greatest shooting night. But it was one of those things that you'll reflect on it, but you can't stay in it too long. Uh, uh, you you got to move forward because there's recruiting and 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 uh, building for next year's team. And Mark's done a great job of that from year one to two, and I'm sure he'll do a great job of it from year two to three. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but more on the game. UCLA did what Boise State and USC did to BYU, which was really pressure the handoffs. But BYU didn't take advantage by reversing the ball or getting to the rim as quickly. And then defensively, this this was a winnable game. BYU offensively. Didn't shoot it well from three, three of 17, and then from the free throw line, nine of 16 for 56%. So the shooting was a little disappointing, but this was a game BYU could have won had they played uh, just a little bit better. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that, though. I, I will tell you this. I watched that, you know, and usually I won't watch a game live and uh, I'll tape it and then watch it in 30 minutes, you know. And uh, but this was a game I actually watched live and, and had to deal with commercials and things, which I don't normally <laughs> like to deal with. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, you know, Cron- Nick Cronin did a really good job in preparing. And, and I think the advantage for them was beating a Michigan State team uh, the night before and working things through, you know, sometimes they're, well, you know, they're having to play a, a quick turnaround. Well, these are young 18, 19, 20, 20. They're not, they're not going to be tired. Okay. The, the, the nerves may get to them a little bit, but they're not going to be tired. And I thought what you said, Jeremy, is that not only did they deal with the handoff, but they switched two through five, uh, probably 80% of that game. And there, there wasn't a, a, a seam to get into. Like Barcello and Everett love to get in those little seams when they come off of the ball screens. But it wasn't there. And, and, and you had 6-6, six, 6-6, six, 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 eight, six, eight. And so they could switch everything. And, and, and it was a really, really solid job defensively by you said. That, that being said, you're right. BYU had opportunities. But they got BYU to play in a hurry. And, and, and when you get in that situation – Harms, maybe Barcello was on the bench in an NC2A game, but there weren't very many people on that team that had had an experience. Now, mind you, they had played Gonzaga. They had had tournament games. They've had some really good at San Diego State, at Utah State. But still, that being said, the NC2A is different. And you can lay a little of this on the fact that there wasn't a great deal of NC2A experience there that had been through this and knew what was going to happen. And, and I think UCLA actually having a game to play beforehand settled them in. They're not a great offensive team, but, but they have guys that are alike and they're long and lengthy. And, and, and certainly they shot the three ball a lot better than BYU did. And that ends up being the difference in the game. Former BYU basketball head coach Steve Cleveland with us on BYU Sports Nation, looking back at BYU's run into the 2021 NCAA tournament. Coach, BYU's been to the NCAA tournament 30 times, which is more than 331 other Division I men's basketball teams, yet they have had notable struggles winning games there. What's the key to finding success once you get to the tournament and winning more games for BYU? You know, and I, I don't, I, and you just tell you my experience, and uh, there have been uh, a lot better coaches than me at that institution. So I will just tell you my experience is that sometimes uh, I found myself maybe overcoaching. Uh, McKelly West and I have always had this conversation after they, after we won the Mountain West that year and won the tournament. And he said, Coach, we were just chatting one time, this was a couple of years ago, and he says, You think we went too hard the night before, you know, in terms of preparing for the game? I mean, we were so jacked and so pumped up about playing. We got in there and scrimmaging and want to do some stuff live. And the next thing you know, for a couple of days before that game, we, we lost a little something there. And so I think your preparation uh, has to be a, a blend of, yes, having a game plan and, and getting a feel for what the floor feels like and shooting there and everything. But I think a lot of the things that you do off the court in terms of getting guys mentally ready and talking through assignments – watching film, watching your success. I think that was one of the things. I mean, we lost two really close games in the NCAA tournament to UConn and Syracuse, games we both could have won. But I thought the difference between them and when we played Cincinnati is that we knew who we were and we knew that we were pretty good. 
And it was one of those things that I, I, I think I focused at times early on too much on the opponent rather than saying, here's the things we're really good at. These are the things that we need to do. And it's a different focus. And, and, and I, I love that conversation that I had with McKelly on that because he was right. I said, that Cincinnati game, we, you know, it was tied in half, and, and then we didn't have anything left. But I, I think the one thing as a staff, we figured, let's focus on us. Yes, we're going to have a game prep, but let's focus on the things that we're really good. Make that mindset so positive. And I'm not – listen, Coach Pope seems like uh, somebody that truly understands motivation, <laughs> getting guys ready. So it, it's not a knock on that. I'm just telling you my own personal experience. What's happened in the past, I don't know. I mean, sometimes teams are just better. And, and, you're, and depending on your seed – I think a lot of times BYU hasn't been a fifth or state had a couple teams maybe that had low, you know, higher lower seeds. But most people that have played for BYU have been nine, 10, 11, you know, those seeds, the higher seeds where you're always the underdog in most cases. Uh, but I, I think for me, the preparation of the mind and getting guys confident is really, really important. And from there, I, I don't have an explanation for why BYU hasn't had more success. I can just tell you that in our situation, the next two games, we had those were both winnable games for us. Mm. I thought we played well. I thought our minds were right. And, uh, and, and that helped me and, 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 and our staff in preparing them. Now we look ahead to next year. And at this point last year, I don't think any of us thought that what happened would happen, which was that BYU would be back in the tourney and be a sixth seed. It took transfers, two of them notably, Matt Harms and Brandon Averett. Now, Matt Harms already said, I'm done. Brandon Averett and Alex Barcelo have not. BYU needs point guard or guards. So hopefully those two guys come back. But if not, is there any doubt in your mind that Mark Pope will put BYU in at least a bubbleish situation next year, despite how much it feels like maybe right now BYU wouldn't be? No, I mean, I have uh, great respect for Mark, and I think he understands the transfer portal. I think in this time of COVID and what this group has done, taking advantage of every resource they have, uh, I'm sure they've not just started working on that. I I think this is a staff that's been working on this for weeks and months, even though you're still coaching during a season. I mean, your eye is always on recruiting, and when things play out, that transfer portal is going to be full. And they'll have an opportunity to get back to work like they did. I mean, if they get Marcello and Everett back, uh, that's <laughs> those are two pretty good gets. And uh, and I wondered what was going to happen. I think they've got enough size. They've got people coming off missions. They have young people that you know Spencer. I didn't I didn't know who Spencer Johnson was. You know, you 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 start talking about different people, and uh, and go through that lineup. Loner is a freshman. This this is going to be, you know, it, 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 honestly, if those two guards come back, this is going to be a better team than last year's. I, and no disrespect to Harms, and he, he played a great role, and he was a great fit for BYU. But th- there will be a better basketball team on the floor with uh, those two guards coming back. If they don't come back, then the road's going to be a little more difficult, and they're going to have to get busy really quickly. But I, if they come back, they're, they're looking at getting right back into the NCAA tournament, adding some spots. I think you're going to see a really, really good basketball team. Yeah, sure thing. And uh, Gavin Baxter to boot. We look forward to that. Coach, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Great to catch right. up with you. Thanks for your insights into the NCAA tournament. Such a unique situation for BYU this year in the COVID uh, situation, but uh, better things ahead. Thanks again.
Yeah, congratulations, guys, on everything. How are you covering it? You're always doing a great job. Take care. Steve Cleveland on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Always appreciate talking with him and yeah, experience. It's been a minute. Yeah, it was good to uh, catch up with Steve. Have some interesting. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now to preview tonight's matchup and the weekend series for that matter is the ace of the BYU baseball pitching staff, Easton Walker, with us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Easton, great to talk with you, man. First and foremost, you got a great baseball name. What's the genesis of the name Easton? You know, um, it is a great baseball name, but I actually got it from my brothers. Um, I have two older brothers, played baseball, college baseball, um, so it's kind of run in the family for a long time. Um, they chose to name me Easton based off the baseball brand. Obviously, it's worked out pretty good for us. But, yeah. <laughs> so I was calling the BYU baseball games around the time your brothers played, so I probably would have called the games for Braden and Devin against BYU. That's how old we are here. So fun times, and of course, your dad uh, – It. On your bio, it says your dad pitched at Utah Tech, which was Utah Technical College, which is Utah Valley University now, I believe. So, um, you're are you you're the you're the weirdo that went to BYU, you know? After all this, you know, it was kind of a weird decision, but um, I, I never imagined myself going to BYU, kind of going through high school and that stuff. But as recruiting and everything worked out, it just it worked into a perfect fit for me. Uh, worked so that I could serve my mission and. I think it was just always meant to be, and I've, and I've absolutely loved it, yeah. Cusco, Peru. So, obviously, llamas were in the mix? Yeah, yeah. there's some llamas up there. Got in touch with the alpacas, so pretty, uh, pretty cool experience. So. What, what do we need to know about llamas that we don't know? They'll spit on you. Um, oh, and I know that's true. Okay. They really do spit on you if you get close to them. That's kind of the, it's kind of a weird defense thing, but they, they do do that. <laughs> I didn't actually get spat on, but other missionaries that tried to hop on the llamas, which they weren't supposed to do, did. so. <laughs> yeah, that's not safety zone approved. Now listen, Easton, yeah. it's because you have great situational awareness that you were able to avoid and obedience. such spit from a llama. <laughs> well, well, Walker, and, and yeah. baseball players spit too, right? So that kind of lines up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Easton Walker with us on BYU Sports Nation discussing uh, BYU baseball. And I want to talk specifically about your head coach, Mike Littlewood, he's one of my favorite conversations on a regular basis. He just puts it out. He tells it how it is, and he calls you a bulldog on the mound with that mentality. For those that don't understand that, what, what does he mean by that, Easton? You know, I think it's just my heart to compete in every game. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the strongest guy. Um, but I've, I've, been, I've been taught and, and I've grown up in this game to uh, – to once I step on the field, it's time to compete. It's time to give it everything you've got. And that's just that's just my mentality when I take the mound. And, and that's the idea that I try to bring to the team. And that type of energy is to, you know, no matter what it is, to compete and put everything between the lines and uh, just give it everything you have. And that's, and that's honestly what I try to do pitch to pitch. And I try to get better and better each time. So that's just a part of it as well. 5'9", 185, like you talked about. Not the biggest dude, but... Um... Like Tim Linscombe vibes with you? Like, what's, what's, uh, who were your motivations in that regard? You know, I do follow along with him. In fact, a couple of years ago, there were a couple of stats with me and, and with him in the same group, and it was kind of cool to look at that. But I, 
I really admire, you know, Dustin Pedroia and, you know, smaller guys like that, that really just, they battle through everything. And, and, and you can see it. It's easy to see. You can tell who's a gamer and who's just kind of, you know, uses their, their, their strength to their advantage. And you can always see other guys in the game of baseball. And that's why it's the, that's why it's the best game ever is, you know, it doesn't matter the size and that stuff. It's all about who competes and who puts it all on the line that, that day during that game. So, um, you know, Easton BYU baseball opened the season three and 11. And there was a point where your coach, Mike Littlewood said, as he's watching you take infield batting practice and pitching and saying, how are we three and 11? This team is really good. You turn things around, you name some captains, you've won four in a row. What's been the key to getting things back on track? You know, I think we had to take a step back and realize why we were playing this game together um, as friends and as family. And I think that was, you know, having fun in the right way. I just think we were going about things um, in kind of the wrong way. Not necessarily that we were, that we were, you know, doing it wrong, but just the way that we were trying to have fun and the way that we were trying to compete was not the right way with how the game is played. And, and all it took was a couple of meetings with, with some captains and with the guys and, you know, not even the coaches were involved in all that stuff, but we came together as, as a family and pretty much talked about what needs to be changed in the mentality of how we approach each game. And, and as you can see, the energy has been completely different. Um, the guys are having fun and it's in the right way where, I mean, we're winning games, but not only that, but we're, we're just successful and hopefully we can keep that rolling and, and keep that same energy every single day. And again, that's part of that bulldog mentality. Now it's kind of spreading on to every guy as they do the best they can to be successful in what they do. That players only meeting, man. It, it rallies yeah. uh, the troops. Let's talk about your season so far. 25 and two thirds innings pitched 0.70 ERA. We have you down for two earned runs. Do you remember those pitches? <laughs> You know, to be honest, I don't. I've thrown a That's lot of pitches. And, and I've given up a lot of hits, and a lot of things have, you know, gone my way that maybe shouldn't have. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to recall all that. that. That's pretty good, and I'm mostly giving you a hard time there. What, what's led to your success no. this year? Because those are bonkers uh, numbers, man. Um, like I said, I think it's just been my mindset. You know, last year I kind of struggled a little bit um, starting the year. Um, I kind of came off my sophomore year after my mission. I was super excited to get back out and go play and kind of prove people that, you know, I served my mission and I'm right back to where I am. And I had a phenomenal year. And then uh, my junior year, I kind of just expected it to keep going and and it didn't happen. And I kind of got laid back a little bit. Well, this year, knowing it was my senior year and that I, uh, I wanted to put everything else that I had and, you know, just for my family and, for all those who have taught me so much and for myself, I wanted to be able to walk with a smile on my face and to know that at least win or lose at the end of the day, I know I enjoyed being at the park and, and I gave it everything that I had for my team. I enjoyed being with my best friends out there and, and competing with them. And I think that motivation has just led me to have, have, a, have a great start. So hopefully it keeps up that way. A top 10 ERA in the entire country, minimum 25 innings pitch, number six to be exact with that .70 ERA. Easton Walker with us on BYU Sports Nation, the ace of the Cougars pitching staff. How do you feel about pitching in the rain and cold? Because the forecast tonight does not look favorable. You know, I'm pretty used to it. If you want to look back to my sophomore year and that stuff, it was a blizzard every time I threw. And in fact, the guys <laughs> joke with me all the time because I've got some sort of uh, tradition of throwing in, in the freezing cold weather. And, and to be honest, I kind of embrace it now. It's been part of playing at home. 
and it's kind of my advantage. And that's the, that's the best way that I can look at it. You know, I know there's plenty of different ways I can look at it and, and hang my head about it and, you know, wish for better things. But in all reality, I, it just makes me more excited to, to go out and pitch at home. How do you pump yourself up? Is it with a, a walkout song? Batters have walk-up songs. Like, does a pitcher have a walkout song? And is that how you find the energy to get ready to go on the mound? Uh, to be honest, I do have a walkout song. Um, and, and obviously, it, it kind of puts me in the, in the right mindset. But the one that pumps me up the most is probably my wife. Um, she's, she's kind of on me a little bit about making sure I'm always doing the best I can and being the best of me, um, not, not only on the field, but off the field as well. So, you know, I, it doesn't seem like much, but I really do think about her being on my mind all the time. And so that motivates me when I take the field. Easton scoring um, some serious really points right now. Yeah. Yeah, Valentine's <laughs> Day, man, it's been like, <laughs> it's been like five. She wants me to be the best I can be, especially this year. She wants me, she wants me to, to really walk away with this and putting in all the hard work I've done over the years. Um, to just, you know, to know that I've, I've at least done my job. So we got to play the walkout song when you come in the, the, the door from, uh, back into your home, right? <laughs> like, Hey, I'm here. Let's go. Right. Mindset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned getting the job done. We learned you actually, and, and sometimes athletes, most of the time athletes don't have a job, but you actually have like a day job and you're doing school and you're doing, uh, you're the ace of the pitching staff. So what's it like managing all that? And what do you do for work? Uh, to be honest, this last this last fall, I well, starting last in the pandemic kind of hit and uh, things kind of got a little crazy. I started working with my father-in-law down at his insurance agency. Nice. Um, he invited me to he invited me to come in and see if I liked it. I ended up really enjoying it. Um, obviously, I knew a lot of his clients. Um, they're from my hometown, Pleasant Grove, and all that stuff. So it really clicked with me. I really enjoyed working with him, and so I kind of stuck with that. And obviously, trying to make a little bit of money with my wife to try to help support was really nice. And so I did that all throughout the fall full time, um, which was probably the, the most craziest time. Now it's kind of calmed down a little bit. I, I do kind of go into the office a little bit to get some work in in some mornings when I've got a little bit of time between class and, and practice and, and weights and all that stuff. And somehow, I'd, you know, stay organized. I, I get things done pretty well. and I do a pretty good job with it. I have to give myself credit for that. But it is it is crazy and it's a lot of work, but you got to enjoy it while it lasts, I guess. Who doesn't want to go with an insurance guy that's going to minimize damage? Easton Walker <laughs> is the man. Easton, that's great to perfect. talk with you, brother. Hey, appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me on here. You got it. The Cougars and San Francisco tonight. Easton Walker on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show He's up. awesome, dude. I can't wait to watch tonight. It's going to be fun. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We've saved arguably the best for last. It's time for overreactions from BYU Spring Football, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. It's simple. We watch short highlights and make some outlandish conclusions based on those few seconds. So, on to the highlights. Number one, Jaron Hall. To Carter Wheat. You mean Wheat? Wheat. Here it is. Oh, it's a dime from Hall to Wheat. Oh, is Carter Wheat going to have more touchdowns than Isaac Rex this year? Uh, Wheat, by the way, got a stinger during the year, so he started wearing the kind of neck pad on the mm-hmm, back of his mm-hmm. neck. He told me after the bowl game. 
Carter so, Wheat wh- just might be wheat. the next Chad Lewis wearing number 96. Oh, wow. That is outlandish. <laughs> I believe it is Carter Wheat, okay. just so you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very My good. keyword will be whiskey. Number two, Jacob Conover, another of those key players in the quarterback battle to Talmadge Gunther. Oh, brilliant strike. Just bang. Oh, going gl- a little Kurt Warner action from Jacob Conover. Talmadge Gunther, J. Drew's uh-huh. favorite receiver. Talmadge Gunther, spring football MVP, Jerem. <laughs> we stand that up. This year it's going to be a little harder to assess that. Right? Yeah. Especially because practice is not happening to the public. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, if we get in there, we're not going to tell. Okay, we've seen Jaron Hall and Jacob Conover. I need some Baylor Romney in my life. And Sione Finau, for that matter, who is back from his significant injury. Okay, not, nothing too spectacular right there, but is this... Probably, probably this is a check down. Is, right? is this the, the Sione Finau? That's a defensive win. That's okay. a defensive win. Okay. Because there's no pass rush. You don't want to throw to the running back. I want to get this thing down the field. That's B- a win for the, the defense. BYU defense shutting down Baylor Romney. Brandon Despain does a tremendous job getting these highlights for us. <laughs> Love if it I'm so the much. defense, I'm ticked every time because it's like 80% offense, which is what sells tickets. Hey, we said hot takes. Talmadge Gunther, spring football MVP. Carter Waite, the next Chad Lewis. The only Finau, the next Tony Finau. <laughs> Shout out to the Finaus. Yeah. Let's, let's go. Yeah. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Two years into the Mark Pope era, BYU basketball has very quickly made it uh, apparent that they are an NCAA tournament caliber team. They were pacing for a six seed before COVID shut things down in early 2020. BYU earned an actual six seed in 2021, though they lost to UCLA. So with that backdrop, Jeremy, I asked this question. Two years in, with Mark Pope as the head coach, what is the new standard for BYU basketball? It's to make the tourney more often. Uh, two for two so far, right? I, I don't expect BYU to make the tourney every year. I think that's pretty silly. Um, but two out of four would be awesome. Two out of four would be awesome. But right now it's two for two. Uh, rallied the troops around a really talented group last year. Injected a new look group with transfers. And that uh, you know best locker room in America the last two years. Created another single-digit seed. And that was fantastic. I don't expect BYU to be in the tourney every year or a single-digit seed every year because, again, if you're not in a Power 6 league, getting in at-large is really hard. So what BYU did the first year is fantastic, amazing, overachieving, frankly. Pretty awesome, right, to go from no NIT to would-be 6 seed before the pandemic. And then this year to get back in the tourney at all, let alone a 6 seed, was awesome. Now, the standard isn't necessarily to go and win. Um, historically, BYU is 5-14 is and 14 in the first round. So you look at... Um, that, that is since 1987 when the tournament expanded to 64. So if you take, uh, you know, Jimmer, so a Jimmerless BYU, um, you know, it has, has won three times uh, in the first round. It's just hard. I do wish, though, that BYU could do it. Or Roberts and Abilene Christian did and, like, just chalked the world. BYU's been pretty chalky historically. So if 8 9's not an upset, but 7 10 is, and to me it is, although the NCAA says you have to be a 5 seed difference to be an upset. So 6 over that, an 11. That, that feels. Or sorry, an 11 over a 6. Really weird. Um, since 87, BYU only has one upset where it was a lower seed and upset a higher seed. So the standard for BYU basketball is play great ball, win a bunch of games, and go to the tourney. I hope that it can get in the future to the point where we're like, okay, we expect to get a win there. Uh, somewhat often. 
Right now, that's not the case based on the actual numbers. Um, hoping is different than what's actually happening, right? Um, but hope, hopefully, BYU can continue to go to the tourney regularly. Again, every year is unrealistic. Um, but when BYU goes, that they win a little more often. I was hoping this year would be, yes, BYU's been chalky historically, therefore win this game. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But th- there's a lot of joy in the journey in getting to the dance. I know right now we're fresh off of a loss Saturday, but winning in the NCAA tournament's hard. It really, it, BYU's not Gonzaga. Gonzaga's gone to six straight Sweet 16s. No one else has done that in the last six years. Like, that's unbelievable. I know there are fans out there that say, hey, it wasn't too long ago that BYU from 2010 to 2012 was going every year and winning games every season. Mm. Because BYU won one in 2010. Yep. Then they won two in 2011. Good to have the National Player of the Year. And they won the first four game in 2012. First four, would, that's a even, yeah, good even matchup. If BYU's in the first four every year, yeah, I'm like, you should win more often. Counts as a unit if you win a game. Right. I'm talking traditional first round. So Dave like Rose. you didn't barely get in and you didn't play an even game. At the yeah. pinnacle of the Dave Rose era from 2010 to 2012, BYU had a winning tournament record. Four and three, seven games in that three-year span. Yeah. But again, that's the pinnacle. Taking out losses, too. That's the pinnacle. Sure. I'm just talking about that three-year span where I felt like BYU was at its strongest under Dave Rose. Absolutely. When you have the National Player of the Year, you should be pretty good. So what will the pinnacle be for BYU men's basketball under Mark Pope? Is it something that we are experiencing right now where BYU back-to-back was a six seed or a projected six seed, speaking technically? Maybe. But if BYU is pacing as a six seed and they've done so in back-to-back years, you're supposed to win that first-round game, right? Yeah, and I wish we had last year to go off of because I think if we have last year and, let's say, BYU won two games and went to the Sweet 16, the narrative's very different. Instead, right now, it's like what I'm saying is, oh, BYU doesn't really win the NCAA tournament. It's, it's just hard. Well, on your standard is just getting to the tournament two out of every four years. Uh, I would accept that. So you're saying that because BYU has paced or – actually made the tournament two years in a row, you'd be okay with a two-year break? Yeah, no, but that's what it is. What I want and what it is are different. See, and I feel like the standard under Mark Pope, because of what BYU has done in his first two years, has shifted. Like, BYU, I feel like, should make the tournament 80% of the time, probably four out of five years. It's pretty aggressive given the numbers that are low for at-large teams that aren't in Power 6. It's an, it's an aggressive mindset. And right now it's easy to say that because it's happened the first two years, but are we going to give Mark Pope an off year or two? Are we? That's what I'm That's saying. What I'm saying. Four, four like, out of five would give like, him an off year. I thought this year would be an off year, yeah. Four out of five is awesome. Like St. Mary's is not making it at that level, and St. Mary's has been a, a go-to-the-tourney very often team, more often than BYU the last six or seven years, right? So it's high standard, and I, we definitely have high standards here at BYU <laughs> off and on the court. And there are some people out there, quite a few I would venture, that say, no, it's not about just getting in the tournament. BYU's got to win in the tournament. That's where the standard needs to be. Oh, well, yeah, needs to be, sure. But the expect- Like aspiring to the, something the expectation- is different than what you do. Okay, has, has the... Let's, clear, let's clarify something. Expectations are different than, than standards, okay? Those are two different yeah, conversations. Yeah. Like, God wants you to try and be as perfect as possible, but that's not what you're actually going to do. Expectations and standards are two different things yes. as it relates to pretty much everything. But Ask I think a lot people, of the bishops in the area about that. But I think that. people confuse those two as kind of the same thing. <laughs> They're not the same. Oh, well, no. BYU's got to get tournament and win. And they got to win now. No. I, and I mean, listen, one year blows this all up. Like, 
my, my frustration with BYU hoops is that BYU is good but not great. But, and I love the good. I love the good. There's joy in that journey. It's very fun. I love to win. I love to smash Utah by 18 this year. I love to beat Utah State and Logan. All that's awesome. It's great. I uh, love to beat St. Mary's twice by double digits. It's awesome. love to get to the WCC title game. It's all great. It, it just This happened with BYU football a little bit um, under Bronco Mendenhall where it, it was like, oh, did BYU peak at the 10 and 11 win seasons in top 15 but never actually cracked the BCS or New Year's 6, right? Um, so enjoy the good. I'm hoping BYU can have a season that is like you really remember. Like why can't BYU be Oral Roberts or Abilene Christian and have gotten through? Like, it's a little frustrating to see programs that aren't as good as BYU win those individual matchups, not once, but twice. And we sit here and go, oh, so if we don't have Jimmer for that, we can't win two games in the tourney. Shoot. Um, that's a little frustrating. What it is. All right. Brandon Avert, we just read you his message on Instagram. Sure feels like he's done playing basketball at BYU. Matt Harms uh, yeah. has said as much. So with Matt Harms and Brandon Averitz essentially announcing they're done playing basketball at BYU, does head coach Mark Pope have to get Alex Barcelo back next year? No, but I want him. Uh, you could bring in a grad transfer, I suppose, or someone that can play right away who can start. But are you getting someone that's equal to or better than Alex Barcelo? I would say probably not, Ooh. right? Uh, Brandon Averett even, probably not. Now, if Brandon Averett is better, no. Uh, it's going to be difficult. I think that Alex Barcelo really needs to come back because losing those two guys, which was expected. Like, when you're a senior and then you play, it's expected to leave. It's like a weird year where you might get a bonus year or whatever. These guys came to do what they did, which is get to the NCAA tournament and then hopefully win and make a run. Unfortunately, that did not happen. But uh, it was a great season for these guys. Uh, very good season. So Alex Barcelo is a key piece of next year. I am concerned that if BYU doesn't bring back Alex Barcelo that – hey, now you're going to hope you can do what you did last year, which is get two big transfers. Now, we talked about it yesterday. Two big transfers uh, the year before, Alex Barcelo, Jake Toulson. Two big transfers last year, Brandon Averett and Matt Harms. That's what it took to get to the tournament. I don't believe that either team without those pieces, and who knows what uh, BYU would have used without them, but let's say they don't get those two and they have just the roster as is. I don't believe BYU gets to the tourney either year. It took those two guys to help the roster to get to that level. So for BYU to be an NCAA tournament team again next year, need A-B, at least. And even then with A-B, there's still a lot of work to be done there. Alex Barcelo is the best player on this BYU basketball team. First team all-conference, AP, honorable mention, all-American. Just went for 20 points in an NCAA tournament game. He holds the record for most threes without a miss at BYU now, seven for seven. It was after that night. In a game. I jokingly said, hey, let's start a petition to bring Alex Barcelo back. I- I'm Did getting more it? and more serious about this. Why don't you start I legitimately that might start a petition. Start a GoFund- Who's with me? Start a GoFundMe that has no money. It's just people. Sign yeah. the petition to bring Alex Barcelo back. The point guard position is clearly the biggest question mark for BYU in the offseason. They bring back a ton of experience at every other position except point guard and ball handlers. So, yeah, the Cougars would benefit by bringing back their best player in that position. Think about if BYU women's soccer had the opportunity to bring back their best player. Oh, and they do. Michaela Coulihan has said, I'm not only going to play in the spring, 
I'm coming back in the fall. Yeah, that makes total sense. The question is, if AB doesn't come back, can BYU still make the tourney? I think it's going to be hard because you're going to have to have major growth from certain people on the team, right? Caleb Lohner can't have 10 boards but not really score or score a bunch but not really rebound. Like, he's, he will be a really good piece on this team. But, like, Matt Harms, what he did in the pick and roll defensively, blocking shots, like... Can Gavin Baxter help hard, with that some? It's going to be hard to replace. Gavin's not as good of a pick-and-roll player. Gavin's a tremendous defender. Ex- exactly. He's a good cleaner up of the boards, but he's not the same player in that way. So, obviously, BYU will redo the offense based on the personnel. But, like, who's going to make the jump? Like, Gideon George had some flashes of brilliance, but BYU had a nine-man rotation. It, it, was, it was hard to really hone in on, like, Spencer Johnson had some good games, but he wasn't good all year. Connor Harding had a few good games, got benched, and then kind of found a better role there. But um, it, it was just it was sort of who's it going to be today, and then sometimes it wasn't anybody, right? Um, certain games, certain big games where BYU needed the guy. So, like, who are the big three on this team next year? Loner is certainly in the mix there. And then I'm not sure after that. I, I would say Caleb Loner is going to be one of the big three, but if AB is not back, I'm not sure. BYU will get a big transfer or two. Like, it's just, are they going it's to get what Mark one, Pope does. or are they getting, going to get two? That's the question. If BYU gets two, now it's like, okay, there's a chance to make the tourney. If Alex Barcelo stays, BYU only really needs one big transfer. And the chemistry that Alex Barcelo already has with these guys is worth a lot. Yeah. Because yeah, you can totally. go get a big transfer, but it's going to take time. And it might take, I don't know, 10 or 15 games before the team starts to gel again. I feel like Alex Barcelo is the glue that already holds yeah. this team together in the offseason. It might be a rebuilding year. It might. If be- he returns, I don't think it is. It depends on the growth of a Trevin Nell and a Caleb Lohner. But Caleb Lohner has, George, to his credit, and, uh, already taken a leap of sorts. Right. I just want to see more consistency. And he'll be a sophomore. When you're a freshman, you, you sort of have carte blanche on how good you can be. Like, if you're – we don't judge sophomore, juniors, and seniors the same way we judge freshmen. Like, when Jay keeps freshman year, it was, like, good, but it wasn't, like, really good. We are just like, oh, it was good for a freshman, Right. Um, it, but you don't do that with sophomores. Once you're a sophomore, it's like, nope, you got to perform at the same level as a junior and senior-ish. Right? I just think about the best player on each of these high-performing BYU teams campus-wide. Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, Zach Wilson, Michaela Coulihan, Kennedy Eschenberg. What about them? And think, if they could all come back for one more year, what type of a difference would they make for their teams? Alex Barcelo... Oh, it's no question that, it, that it's I mean, massive. It's just... It's just I, and and mine's a little my viewpoint's a little wider. Like, okay, if AB comes back, is BYU going to the tourney? I'm I like, think eh. they are. I think, I think they are. I think there's one more player needed. Yeah. Really? Yeah. See, I think Alex you Marcello was three. enough of a difference maker because of the position he plays and the leadership role and the glue that he is. That it's he can... not a question of Alex to me. It's a question of the others. I, I think BYU has talent, but they will need to make a leap. Like as currently constituted, <sighs> there's some work to do there. Yeah, but I'm excited about the leap. From sophomore to junior for Trevin Nell and freshman to sophomore for Caleb Lohner. And, and, you know, Richard Harward will have an increased role. I think Harward starts at the five now. So, yeah, they, there are some questions. But, to yeah, and is it like, is BYU sneaking in? Mm. That's different, right? And right now, starting five of Alex Barcelo, Trevin Nell, Gideon George, Caleb Lohner, Caleb and- Lohner and Gavin Baxter. That sounds okay. Well, it sounds pretty m- good. Maybe Richard Harward, right? Maybe Richard Harward. Which is... Sitting there ready to rock. Okay. Know. Maybe so, Gavin. I, yeah. I like that experience. I mean, BYU loses three seniors, but they were 10 deep. So yeah, nine deep. They might only lose two seniors. So if they bring back 
seven of the nine or eight of the ten. That's pretty good from a tournament team that was a six seed. So, yeah, I, I, I like what Alex Barcelo means to the team for sure. Um, also, it's worth keeping in mind our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Alex Barcelo led BYU in scoring in 13 of 27 games and assists in 14 of the 27. Yeah. So half of the games, he's your leader in points and or assists. That's pretty stinking good. Yeah. And again, the question not Alex's production. That There's literally no argument there. It's just everybody around Alex. Yeah. Taking that lead. Pro Day Preview. Let's do this. Tomorrow we have a BYU Sports Nation two-hour special, all things BYU football Pro Day. And uh, we need to tell you everything that's going to be important leading up to said event. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event, our Pro Day Preview 2021. Jeremy, let's start with this question. Which BYU Cougar has the potential to raise their NFL draft stock the most tomorrow with the performance at the indoor practice facility? Uh, I'll tell you who doesn't first. It's Zach Wilson. <laughs> He's on film. Like, everything's on film. It's amazing. Maybe it's like, and, and you and I got married uh, pre-mutual you know, uh, mutual app or whatever, in, in, like where you have to meet the person in person and confirm kind of like, Oh yeah, you like look the same. I wasn't catfished. And, You're a real person, and you like seem like the same person. You know what? I, I I don't know what that's like, but I imagine that's what it'd be. Maybe that's what it's like for the scouts with Zach Wilson tomorrow. Like, oh yeah, we've already had zooms and whatever, but like meeting you in person, you have this presence. Da da da. Zach Wilson is not going to be affected either way by a ton of what happens tomorrow. Now he is not going to do anything but throw. It's what he told us. He's checking boxes tomorrow. Yes, yes. So. It's going to be fun, and the focus will be on Zach Wilson, not only from us, but NFL Network and ESPN, who has cameras there as well. Um, and by the way, I don't know how much NFL Network and ESPN are going to show of the whole event. We will show you every second from 12 to 2. So choose where you want to watch it, but we're going to stick on it the whole time. Yes. Um, and replays and awesome, right? Interviews and everything. Also, there's DVR. Yes, there are. You can get your TiVo out if it's 06 or something. Let's talk about the guys to your, to your question. Um, I think Brady Christensen is one of those guys that could really help himself. He's probably like an early day three guy uh, in some spots. He could be a day two guy. Oh, you think he he's, could push his stock up that He's not high. a day one guy, but he's probably a day two guy at best if he performs really well tomorrow. And, and remember, it's, it's the 40 and it's the bench and the three cone and the 20-yard the shuttle and the 60-yard shuttle and the vertical jump. Like Some of these things matter with linemen. Other things don't. But it's an opportunity to impress. I think the other two offensive linemen as well could become interesting if they're not drafted, that they're uh, undrafted free agent types. Chandon Herring, Tristan Hodge uh, for the guards. Dax Milne is a guy that I think will will surprise a lot of people tomorrow. I think he'll be – I know you, you've not been high on Dax. I've been oh, the only one that's been high please. on Dax. No, tomorrow he's going to crush it. Kyrus Tonga can help himself as well. Rumor has it – rumor has it that Kyrus Tonga is like – in great Chiseled, shape, cut. has dropped like 20, 25 pounds, so we'll see that tomorrow. And then Chris Wilcox. I think it's like perhaps the, the guy who has the biggest upside that isn't really on the radar where I think he's going to run a good 40. He was quietly really good. Um, it, you didn't hear a lot from him. He didn't pick up a lot of passes because dude just didn't get thrown at and batted passes down quite a bit. So I'm excited, man. Like tomorrow is perhaps the best pro debut he's had in, in – what, 20 or 30 years? 
with pro prospects, and it's going to be awesome. And those weren't on TV. This one is, so it's very exciting that we'll have that opportunity to broadcast. There will be some former Cougars from the 2019 squad that will also yeah. join the fold. They didn't really get Austin an opportunity. Lee, Micah, Simon, and Lava Hifo. Yeah. Uh, Bo Tanner, Isaiah Armstrong, I think, are the five. So as you go through that list, again, let me reiterate that BYU hasn't had multiple draft picks in the same draft since 2009. Yeah. It's been 12 years since BYU I, had more than one player honestly, taken. Honestly, that's pathetic. Like, BYU can do way better than that. 12 yeah. years since Come BYU's on. had multiple guys taken. That will change this year. Yeah. Automatically with Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen. They, that, it is guaranteed I, that yeah. those two guys are going to be drafted. And it would be, I think it would be disappointing if it was only those two. So we're hopeful that maybe it's double that. Four. Kairos Tonga. Three or four would be nice. Maybe Dax Milne sneaks in in the sixth or seventh round. Can Matt Bushman, which is the answer to the question for me, improve his stock yes. enough? Yes, I left off Bushman. He I feel there. like Matt Bushman is the clear winner here in terms of a guy that could raise his stock the most because by nature of the injury, he just fell completely off the face of the earth to NFL Pro Scouts. He was a guy that his junior season impressed a lot of people. Honey hands. He never drops anything. Can make incredible catches. He never even contested. dropped a class at BYU. That's how much he doesn't drop anything. Matt Bushman can put himself immediately back on the radar tomorrow with now, an expanded pro day yes. spectacle, NFL network. Yeah. He's going to be catching passes from Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Honeyhands is the guy, to me, that could be <laughs> the big winner tomorrow for BYU. Now, you're a crappy scout if you forgot about Matt Bushman, but he didn't have a chance to sort of uh, elevate his, himself, right? They, I, I'm sure the scouts are like, oh, yeah, that guy. He's good, but he's but, been injured. But and, and unfortunately, so he's six months out. I'm interested to see what exactly he does because you don't want to risk another injury. It's still like early-ish in the process, but you still want to impress. So um, he joined us on the uh, at the women's volleyball match. Saturday we talked about his foundation and aces and money going towards that. He did say he's going to do his best to try and see what he can do, what he's comfortable with, um, so that he can impress as much as possible. Because, yeah, he's a guy that if he plays last year, like, He's drafted, period. Um, but but now it's like, okay, he'll be a free agent at least, like no doubt. For all my sneaker hounds, Matt Bushman is the pair of Jays or Jordans that got a little scuffed up. Maybe the air pockets turning a little bit yellow, so you put it in the box and kind of store it away for a little while, and then you pull them back out, refurbish them, and you're like, oh man, I love these shoes, and and you want to wear them, and you and you want to love them again. Like Matt Bushman's going to be that guy. He's, he's the pair of shoes that you love that got a little scuffed up. But he'll come out. He's going to look shiny and bright tomorrow and improve his stock. I'm looking forward to that. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Now some more numbers coming in. We're all about the statistics today for obvious reasons. Brady Christensen, we mentioned that he is going to be drafted. Just a matter of where right now, grading out somewhere around the fourth or fifth round. He repped 30 times on the bench. 
for an offense. That's tied for second best number for any offensive tackle at last year's combine. A 34 inch vertical. That's amazing. Brady Christensen. That's amazing, especially for a guy who uh, is 6'5, 302. And again, what's listed previously at BYU. You know, it could be smudged a little bit. There's no smudging on Pro Day um, when you get to height, weight, hand size, arm, wingspan, and all this stuff. Like, you are what you are. So, excellent stuff from Brady Christensen, who who uh, Pro Football Focus has really, really high. Like, had him as the best overall left tackle in college football more than Penny Sewell. But Penny Sewell is going to go in the top five, probably. Brady's not. So, PFF really loves Brady. And if he can measure out really nicely... Maybe he sneaks into day two. Okay, so the second best number in terms of reps for an offensive tackle off of last year's combine numbers. That vertical is the fourth best by an offensive tackle compared to last year, and he had the second best broad jump compared to the offensive tackles from last year. So those are some top five numbers across the board thus far for Brady Christensen. He is with Jason Shepard, who has embedded himself in the indoor practice facility uh, excuse me, earlier this week, I should say, Jason is at the indoor practice facility right now taking in all the sites, but he spoke with Brady earlier this week. So Brady, what have you been up to since the season ended? Obviously, it was a, an extremely exciting season for fans and media to watch, and obviously being able to do what you guys did as, as players was unbelievable. Since it ended, what have you been doing? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind the last couple of months, man, just uh, enjoying the process. I've been down in uh, Dallas, Texas for most of the two months uh, training at a facility called Michael Johnson Performance, um, trying to get bigger, faster, stronger um, down there, and also been training with an O-line coach named uh, Duke Manyweather. I'm um, just working on my tech, getting better uh, with my hands and my feet and just trying to become a better offensive lineman to really prepare me for the next level. Um, but, yeah, it's been, been going great, just trying to take care of my body, eat right. Um, but it's been awesome. I'm excited for the future and, and ready to get rolling. I'll be honest with you. Duke sounds like a great name for an offensive line coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Duke's Duke's the man. He's just Duke, you know. Every time um, we finish, like, a workout or a technique session, um, this is Duke for you. He just always said, finito. And that was kind of his finishing, like, word, you know. And it was awesome down there. I learned a lot, for sure. As an athlete, you have obviously been training and practicing your craft for a really long time. How has it been different where you're doing it essentially as a job interview? How, how has that dynamic changed everything for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing because it's like a dream come true. It's like, a, I mean, football is my full-time job right now. Um, so like the interviews with the offensive line coaches and the scouts, they teach me like their installs or whatever. And I just love learning about it. And really, I can focus all my energy and efforts on football instead of worrying about working or going to school I can do what I love um so really I'm just diving into it diving into different schemes diving into film study and really I've had more time to eat right and take care of my body which has been huge too because obviously the body is the money maker so I've really really uh focused on that during my last couple months what has been the reaction from from scouts what's the what's the word you've gotten back in terms of things that they want to look at specifically from you? Any areas of uh, things they want improvement on? What's been the feedback you've received so far? Yeah, um, I don't know if necessarily I've gotten a, like, a ton of different feedback, but at least for me and like what Duke is saying and what my coaches have been saying, I've, I'm, one thing I've always been working on 
my whole career is my, is my hands. And specifically, like in the run game, keeping my elbows tight so I can really finish blocks, um, whether it be a wide zone play or, uh, you know, gap scheme, really finishing blocks with my elbows tight and driving through. Um, and then in, in like the pass protection, like the strike placement and the strike accuracy has always been huge for me. Because at the next level, man, you got to be good with your hands. Uh, those guys are elite. The defensive linemen are elite, elite with their hands. So I'm really working on that. It's kind of like a boxer, you know, always working their hands and getting better with their hands. Um, it's the same thing with the offensive linemen. There's no difference. Always working on that. Have you had any feedback in terms of how the NFL views you at the next level on the offensive line? Has it been 100% as a tackle? Are they looking at you at, at other positions on the offensive line? Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, um, personally, I see myself being a great tackle um, at the next level. That's where I see myself. Um, at the same time, if a team wants me to play guard, you know, I'll play guard um, or whatever they want. I mean, it doesn't matter to me, but as far as personally going, what I see in myself, I feel like I'm going to be a great tackle uh, at the next level. Are you hearing anything in terms of where you expect to hear your name called, or is it still too early for that? Uh, I think it's, it's still too too early for that um, teams don't like to play their cards and kind of let you know where they, they feel like where you're going to go um, so right now I'm really just focusing on what I can control I mean my product is my film felt like I've had really good film over the last three years and now just kind of cement it with a, with a great pro day and with great interviews showing that how I how I learn and how I can pick up things quickly and really apply it to the field is what I'm trying to do right now so I can whatever team picks me the highest uh, you know it's the team I love and want to go play for that's a great attitude. Brady, uh, it has been a pleasure to watch your career at BYU. Always love chatting with you. Uh, good luck at Pro Day, and certainly good luck in the draft coming up, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Jason. Thanks for your time. Brady Christensen, part of BYU Football Pro Day, speaking with Jason Shepard earlier this week, has already put up some really nice numbers on the bench, the vertical, and the broad jump. All three of those numbers are are or would have been top five in last year's NFL Combine. He's really impressive. So uh, he weighed in at 302, 6'5", hand size 10 and 2 eighths, arm size 32 and 2 eighths. That's a good number. Wingspan 80, which is one of the longest among those that measured. 30 on the bench we mentioned, which is amazing. Vertical 34 inches. That's amazing. Broad jump 10-4, which is second highest yeah. among those who have gone so far. Kavik Fonuo put up a, a 10-5. So these guys are going through... Uh, you know, like one at a time, they've done uh, the measurements, the bench, the vert. They're doing the broad jump right now. 40's next, and 40 is a big one. 40 is the one that a lot of people stick to. For an off- offensive lineman, not going to matter as much. <laughs> but I'm excited to see a Zane Anderson, a Chris Wilcox, a Troy Warner, who um, reportedly may have pulled something earlier. We're going to uh, get the latest information from Jason Shepard later. But this is exciting, man. And so far, so good for a guy like Brady Christensen. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. How does the head football coach Kalani Satake feel about Zach Wilson on a day like today? Is he feeling the heat and the pressure for his guys? We're going to find out. Jason Shepard with Kalani Satake on Pro Day at the Indoor Practice Facility. Kalani, I, I have seen you walking around, and about every 10 feet, somebody wants to stop and talk to you. What yeah. is today like for you personally as the head coach? Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for our guys, the opportunities that they have um, with this day. You know, I'm glad that our administration 
uh, campus administration and athletic administration allowed, allowed us to blow up our, our pro day as much as possible and then really highlight our players' abilities. And uh, This is going to give them an opportunity, especially after last year not having it, an opportunity to, to be seen. And, um, you know, when people were talking about the game of football, now they can see that the measurables actually match up to what they're doing on the field. So anything we can do to help provide our players an opportunity to achieve their dreams, I'm, I'm all for it. Obviously, the headliner is BYU TV is here, but obviously NFL Network, yeah. ESPN <laughs> as well. But what does this mean to the program to be able to have people nationally talking about, hey, we're going to be looking in on BYU Pro Day. What does that mean for this program? Well, I think for what we're trying to get done, we're trying to develop our players so that they can get into the league. It takes some time, and I feel like we're in a really good spot right now. We have a lot of young men on our team. I think are going to be future NFL players, and and uh, obviously that we have some right now that are going coming out, and then even the ones from last year that didn't have an opportunity to go to the combine or the pro day. Um, it's good to give those guys, those other six individuals, a chance to to show their their talents and and their skills. So, um, like I said, whatever we can do to help them out, that's that's what I'm all about, and and um, just glad that we have a lot of guys getting an opportunity to play in the league. Can you ballpark the number of phone calls, texts, inquiries that you've had about players this year? I mean, is I have to imagine it's more than you've probably ever had, right? Yeah, and I think that's, you know, we've developed relationships, um, myself, our, our coaching staff, and have developed relationships with uh, scouts and coaches in the NFL. I mean, uh, Brian Johnson's a quarterback coach, and it's great for me to be able to spend time talking to him and coordinators like Bevel and guys that have been around that that I have a connection to but I think the the biggest key is that they're able to talk to all our coaches and our, and get some insight on what our players are about um, their learning methods and what we teach in our schemes and then kind of give the coaches an idea of the, the type of players that they have because you can't just see on film and know who they are what they're all about and uh, coaches have that really close relationship with the players and know their weaknesses and their strengths and so Whatever we can do to help accommodate them and, and make their transition from this point right now into a team, into a training camp and making a, a roster, whatever we can do to help, we're all about it. I do want to specifically ask you about Zach. There's obviously a very real possibility he's going to be gone after the second pick. What have you been able to see out of him just from last year to this point that lets you know what type of pro he's going to be? Well, I mean, we, we knew his work ethic from the beginning was going to be key. And it's just a matter of time, him getting healthy and, and being really comfortable in the scheme. And then, you know, A-Rod and, and, and the coaches being able to work a, a, a system to help him flourish. And so uh, the fact that he was able to utilize his skills in the right way and have an offense built around it was a key for us. And that's probably a good good thing to do is, is uh, you know, maybe pattern the, the offense after the skill set of the guy that's throwing the ball. So. Uh, he, he's done that all himself. It's been hard work, but I think there's been a lot of things that help complement his skills and his abilities, and uh, hopefully we can do that for every player here on, on, on our roster. What's your role on a day like this? Is it is it just to be around and answer questions and watch, or kind of like proud well, papa? Be available for you guys and, and, <laughs> and um, answer any questions. I can talk to a lot of scouts and coaches and, and um, people that are here. You know, It's easy to, to connect, and, and in a different setting rather than just over the phone. I think um, eye-to-eye contact, even with masks on, uh, matter a lot. And so for our, for our people to have access to all these scouts, and then you see our players that are here, they're, they're really mindful of the numbers that are being shown and, 
and there's some really good ones too so as soon as we get things rolling I, I think this is going to be a good motivation for a lot of our players and should be a good motivation going here on out going to 2021. Before I let you go obviously when we get to this point of the year we're also talking about spring football how would you evaluate spring to this point and now you guys are at the point where you're having um, the, the the spring practice and how how would you categorize how things have gone? Well I think uh, it's been well we have 10 more practices than we did last year so that's a good sign and and I think um uh, you know, going into it, we had some young guys that need to step up. Obviously, we need to replace a quarterback, and there's some other guys that need to replace the, the outgoing seniors, you know, and the, the juniors that declared early. And so, um, luckily, those guys have been able to get a lot of field time, especially this last year, and looking forward to see them, seeing them in a, in a starting role. And, and um, you know, for a lot of the young guys uh, com- com- uh, in the competition for starting spots, it's a lot, a lot of fun. So, it's good to have the practices in order for us to, to evaluate them. But um, there's still a lot of work ahead, and, and we're going to utilize as much time as we can during the summer to get the training camp be ready to roll. Kalani, great stuff as always. Always appreciate talking to you. Thanks. Go Cougs. Thank you. The head football coach Kalani Satake with Jason Shepard from the indoor practice facility, part of our two-hour BYU football pro day special. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline as we look at some more of those 40 numbers highlighted by Wilcox and Simon. And Troy Warner must have, as we, we heard, tweaked something because he, didn't, he hasn't run the 40 yet and, and wondering if he will. Now we're hoping the best for Troy and that's not yeah. significant. But Blaine Fowler, a guy who loves Pro Day just as much as we do, uh, watching these numbers fly up across the board. Blaine, let's just start with your reaction to Micah Simon running a 4-3-4 as a guy that's coming back after not really getting a legit shot because of COVID-19 with no pro day and no combine. I'm, I'm thrilled for Micah. And we've always known that he's had blazing speed and that it, if nothing else, you would think he would get a shot because people are going to look and go, whoa, four, three, four. Let's combine that with a 36 inch vertical jump. So he's explosive. Can this guy, if I'm a, if I'm a, a, a GM or a scout, I'm saying, can this guy find his way out onto our field on, if nothing else on special teams? Um, because, those are some eye-popping numbers. And for guys like Micah, who needed a combine last year or a pro day last year, to be able to show people that he could do this, I, I, those poor guys had no opportunity, no opportunity in that weird COVID year. So I'm thrilled for Micah. And to stay focused enough to come back and to continue to work out and to have this opportunity and to shine like he that, that you guys, that's a phenomenal time. And you know, he's a wide receiver. The average wide receiver time over the last four years. Um, in, in the combine is four or five. Not, so four, three, four is we can even use the word elite on that one. I know. Yeah, that's fine. We, the three of us. <laughs> I sanction it. We don't hand that out. We don't hand that out much. Four, three, four is well, one of us does 40 yeah. yard dash time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chris Wilcox, four, three, seven. So he, he was the one I wanted to see the 40 from the most. And he delivered, man. He's going to get a shot. Yeah. Oh, I think he will. And so you look at him with the length that he has. Um, I think the question for folks was, well, he's so long. Is he more suited to play safety? Is he physical enough to play safety? Um, because I, I think there were some questions on his flat-out speed. Now, not those of us that, that know him and know that he can really run. 
Um, so I think this is going to be a bit of an eye opener for some folks where they're going to go, oh, okay, he's sub 4-4. He can play corner in the National Football League. And now they're going to anxiously watch his three-cone drill and his 20-yard shuttle to see his change of direction. I, I think that Chris will do very well at that as well. Um, he's a guy that has really developed over his time at BYU from a guy that was just really fast without great ball skills to start to a guy now that has not only got great top end, top end speed, but he's got quickness. His ball skills are there. You know, this is a guy, he, he reminds me a little bit now. Don't everybody go crazy. He reminds me a little bit about Michael da- of Michael Davis because of yes, his length and I said his the flat same out thing, top Blaine. end speed. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I've said that all along. Michael Davis was a project by the time he got done. He wasn't a project anymore. We talked about that when he was here. Chris Wilcox is in that mode. Now, Michael just kept getting better. Chris, if he'll knuckle down like Michael has and continue to get better, I think he has a real shot, and I think that he really improved his stock today in this combine so far. Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. Blaine, which BYU Cougar do you expect to raise their stock the most of all players today? If Brady Christensen didn't just move up to day two, then I don't know what he needs to do. Because that Amen, he, baby. he's already – it it is – ridiculous the numbers that he's putting up I, 30 on the bench the average for his position is around 25 or 26 so so he's beaten that um his play on the field speaks for itself the, the guy is flawless out there he's one of the highest graded offensive linemen in the country for the last two years and so his film and i like that that when shep interviewed him he said my, my most important product is what people can see on tape but they also you know there were some questions is he athletic enough can he play tackle in the NFL because you got to pick up those great rush ends off the edge. Does he have the speed? Does he have the footwork to be able to do that? But I mean, his vertical jump was 34. Are you kidding me? You guys, do you know how hard it is to get 300 pounds up off the ground? 34 inches. (laughs) I have no idea. That is, it is ridiculous. Yeah. I hope I never know because (laughs) I'm never going to be 300 pounds, but, but his numbers are eye popping. And so far in this combine, I mean, Zach's the story because of his his high the, the draft pick that he's going to be. He's going to be probably number two in the draft, and I think he'll show out unbelievably throwing the ball. But outside of that, I think the next big story is Brady Christensen, who man, whose stock oh, was already high, and now I think it's really, really high. Blaine, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but Brandon Thorne, uh, who is an analyst and scout for uh, several NFL networks, said that the 10-4 broad jump by Brady Christensen is the best measurement all time for an offensive lineman by three inches. <laughs> that I, I read the same thing, and I went, okay, we need to fact check it, but that would not surprise me because, um, I mean, you look, and as you look at the guys, uh, guys that really can, like Chris Wilcox is a tremendous athlete, and he's a defensive back, and he did 10-6, right? So Brady was right out there with a cornerback, with an NFL skill set cornerback in terms of physical skills. That would not surprise me, and – and that's something. Yeah, I, I think if anybody has done themselves uh, a, a good uh, move up in terms of their stock, it would have to be Brady Christensen so far. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Blaine, just kind of give us an idea of what Zach Wilson does best. You played quarterback. You've watched him very closely. We've heard from all of the experts, but let's hear from our BYU insider who has maybe watched – uh, more film on Zach than just about anybody. What does he do best right now? Well, his his mechanics are so good, and 
and I think it's built from the ground up. And and they weren't always this way. When he was a freshman, he he would make these off balance throws that we saw him making as, a, as you know last year, um, and he would miss at times, right? And then we watched his decision making as a young guy, um, and sometimes he would make errors in what the coverage was, and he tried to push the the place into traffic. The thing I like most about Zach Wilson is I watch where he was and where he got to, to where he lit is a legit number one or two pick in the NFL draft. And it's because he just worked at his craft. So people that understand that know that this guy's going to be a great pro because his work ethic is off the charts. He's always had the skill set. And when I say it starts from the ground up, his, his feet, even when there's pressure and, uh, and, and when things break down, his footwork, his hip positioning, you know, the way he turns his shoulders and gets square – um, is phenomenal. And so he doesn't make very many bad throws. He is so remarkably accurate. And to me, that starts on the ground with great footwork. And that's something that he has worked remarkably hard on. Um, and so give him credit for, for improving that. He's got all the arm strength in the world. He's always had that. And now he combines that with an uncanny accuracy and touch that makes him a big-time prospect. And I think these scouts today, the ones that know quarterbacks are going to be watching his feet. And they're going to be really, really impressed with how good he is technically um, down down below with his feet and his hips. And then they'll watch to see his anticipation on throws. Is he making throws on time as the receivers are coming out of the break? He is so good at that. Like he anticipates the break. He gets the ball out. And as that receiver is turning their head, the ball is already on its way and it's in a great spot. Right, that th- Those are the things that make for a great quarterback. And, you know, the bonus about Zach is – and he's not doing any of these drills because he doesn't need to. But they go watch on film and they go, he's also really athletic, right? They're, they're saying he can run around. He can buy time. He's, he's developed this ability to deliver the ball from different arm angles when he needs to throw around defenders. And he keeps his accuracy when he's doing that. So there's all these other benefits. Uh, but the bottom line is he's un, he has uncanny accuracy because his footwork is so good. Um, he doesn't get flustered. And he's got arm strength to make every throw. He can make that 18-yard comeback throw as good as anybody in the NFL. Blaine, we appreciate the time, man. We're getting set to watch Zach Wilson throw. He's going to begin that in roughly 10 minutes. You'll watch all of it live here on BYU TV. We'll talk to you again soon, man. All right. Can't wait to see him throw it. Uncle B, Blaine Fowler on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Zach Wilson's offensive coordinator, in large part passing game coordinator, Aaron Roderick is with Jason Shepard to discuss the emotions of the day and what to expect from his former quarterback. Coach, what is today like for you now as the offensive coordinator to be able to watch everything that's going on? I'm sure answering a lot of questions. What's this like for you? It's just a fun day to see our players, uh, you know, get their chance to show, you know, what they can do to the, for the NFL scouts. And, you know, a lot of these guys have been watching them work and grow for three or four years. And so it's fun to see them kind of have their day, you know. I asked this question to Kalani. Can you ballpark the number of questions and phone calls, texts that you have taken in regards to Zach? I, I have to imagine it's, it's no. unreal. I can't, but it's been a lot. It's been, there was a time, there was a time where it was 
overwhelming. I was, it was tough to do my job and answer all the questions. But, you know, we, 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 of course we want to promote our players. And, and uh, you know, I've always felt obligated. He, he did a yeah. lot of great things for us, so I feel an obligation to do everything I can to help him. But, yeah, it was, it was taking up a lot of my time there for a while. <laughs> What do you and, – and look, there's a very real possibility that he's going to be a top-two pick. I mean, that's yeah. – most people expect that to be the case. As a guy that's been around him every day, what makes him special, and what, what has he done that has put himself in this position? He just has a relentless work ethic and uh, a belief in himself that is something you really can't teach. I mean, he just – he never stops working. He loves the game so much, and he just he wants to be great. He wants to be coached. He's, he accepts criticism and critique like nobody I've ever seen. He's hungry for it. You know, and a lot of, lot of, lot, most of us get defensive when someone critiques us. He just soaks it in, and um, it, I would say that's probably what's – and then he's got great talent. I mean, the physical tools are off the charts, but that – that desire to be coached and to be to be critiqued and always the work ethic to just keep get, trying to get better every day uh, is what really drives you know that talent level to where it is beyond just Zach obviously as the offensive coordinator you know you've got guys here that will be at the next level from the offensive line and Matt Bushman and, yeah. and Dax and receivers you've got a lot of guys that performed at such a high level that has to be a very proud moment for you to see these guys being this close to realizing their dreams. Yeah, we are proud. And I, I would say um, one of the big reasons Zach had such a great year was the play around him was better than it's ever been this year. And that's a tribute to Brady and Dax and all of our other players. And I'm, I'm going to forget. If I start naming everybody, I'm going to forget. <laughs> but the the play around Zach this year the execution level was higher than it had ever been and it's a lot easier to play quarterback when you can really trust the other 10 guys that do their jobs and so we're, we're proud of those guys and we wish them all the best it's gonna be tough to replace them coming off of a season like BYU had and, and having this and national spotlight on a day like today how, how do you take advantage of this situation it's maybe recruiting or, or however you look at it yeah I mean I, I think I think recruits are taking notice that we're you know we've got a team that has a lot of players that the NFL are interested in. We have a lot. We'll have another good pro day next year. We'll have some young players, players that are young in our program that are going to be moving on to the next level in the next couple of years as well. Um, but more than anything, we just try and enjoy this today. This is their day, and I'm not really here to take advantage of anything, but just be proud of these guys and cheer them on. Hey, Rod, great stuff as always. Good yeah. talking to you. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Aaron Roderick, the now solo offensive coordinator for BYU after the departure of Jeff Grimes. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.